Support for Georgia College Connections comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. I am your host, Daniel McDonald. On Friday, Georgia College begins a week of reflection on one of the cornerstones of the American democratic experiment, the United States Constitution. My guests tonight will convene a series of conversations about the Constitution and the issues that challenge and evolve the document that lays out our federal government and our relationship to it. I'm joined in the studio today by public law professor Adam Lamparello. Adam Lamparello. Business Law and Ethics Professor Jahan el Special Education Professor Rodran Grimes, and Athletic Training Professor Sarah Myers. They're all members of the committee organizing this year's Constitution Week celebration at Georgia College. All right, and so I wanted to just kind of set the table uh, with some questions that talk about Constitution Week itself. And uh, to do that, I'll ask you the simple question of why do we celebrate the United States Constitution over the course of an entire week of events? in the Georgia College community. This is Jahan with the College of Business. I serve as the chair of the Constitution Week Committee. And September 17th, many people know that it commemorates the September 17th, 1787 signing of the United States Constitution. It wasn't until the mid-20th century that Congress decided to create Constitution Day as an official day of celebration. And then Congress also decided to celebrate the Constitution over an entire week. And that legislation also includes a requirement that institutions of higher learning have some sort of programming on Constitution Day, which is Friday, September 17th. Georgia College goes a step further and has celebrations and events the entire week. And we try to reach across campus to all the different colleges And what's really amazing is that on this interview today, we have representation from every college on this campus, which reflects the involvement across our campus and how we're really trying to reach out to every student on educating them about how the Constitution applies to events of the day. Building off of that, uh, what is the impact of having so many partners um, from across this diverse campus community all talking about this uh, bedrock of our form of government and also our society? Rodrin Grimes is with the College of Education, and she's been involved with Constitution Week for a number of years. Rodrin, would you mind answering that question? Oh, absolutely. Uh, The benefit of having our professional colleges involved is that it allows our liaisons to inform our faculty about Constitution Week and they in turn can provide information to our student body so that our students will know exactly what's going on and will be able to attend the events that are of interest to them where they can learn more about the power and impact of our dynamic constitution. So that's one of the benefits. Another benefit is it allows the general community to know about our Constitution Week events because our faculty in turn will also notify their various liaisons. So it really brings 
Constitution Week to the entire Georgia College and Milledgeville communities, and even nationwide. For example, one of my panelists is a professor of justice studies from a college in Idaho. So we're reaching out even further, and that makes it really nice. And, of course, you know, at Georgia College, uh, we have uh, so many diverse perspectives to bring to an event like Constitution Week. Uh, might you talk about what taking this obligatory day-long celebration and then exploding it out uh, to five days of programming, what that allows you to do and the perspectives that allows you to imbue this celebration with? Uh, this is Adam. Currently, there are a number of controversial issues all citizens' right affecting the structure of our government. So this really gives everyone an opportunity to put diverse perspectives on critical issues of our freedoms today, such as free speech under the First Amendment, particularly in social media, issues relating to immigration, issues relating to democracy and the coronavirus, and relating to abortion and the extent to which states can regulate abortions in light of Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So it really gives us an opportunity to discuss diverse issues, entertain diverse perspectives, and thus really educate and stimulate discussion in the community about issues that are affecting our freedoms now and in the future. This is Jahan here again. From a planning perspective, when we sit together and try to decide what we're going to cover during this week, it, it can be really difficult because the issue of the day in September is very different from when we first are talking about this in March. And so we, we tried to have some general areas, areas that we know continue to be fresh and continue to be addressed, but we try to also leave room for whatever might arise. And so what's interesting this, this year is that we decided we're going to do COVID and the health of democracy, which in March may have been foreseen as a tired issue that it might have, you know, we might have thought that it was going to peter out, but little did we know that Delta would rear its ugly head and it would very much be relevant in September. And also the abortion issue, it's always a, a contentious issue, but the fact that, you know, in Texas and the Supreme Court addressing this issue, here we are again with a very fresh issue. So uh, we really try to have a diverse array of activities so that students can see how items that address our everyday life are still very relevant as they apply to the Constitution. You're listening to a conversation about this year's observance of Constitution Week. Beginning Friday, September 17th, and lasting through Thursday, September 23rd, my guests will present a series of conversations and events that take a critical look at this founding document of this American experiment. I'm joined in the studio today by public law professor Adam Lamparello, business law and ethics professor Jahan el special education professor Rodran Grimes, and athletic training professor Sarah Myers. They are members of the committee organizing this year's Constitution Week celebration at Georgia College. You can learn more about Constitution Week and see a schedule of events at libguides.gcsu.edu slash constitutionweek. But for now, stay tuned for more Georgia College Connections.
Well, and let's jump into uh, talking about uh, some of the ways that we will look at the Constitution uh, during this Constitution Week celebration in 2021. What are some of the events that y'all as organizers and panelists are involved in yourself? And what are some of the ones that you may not be uh, directly involved in, but are excited to participate in as an audience member? Sarah is new to our group this year. She's with the College of Health Sciences. I'd like for her to jump in because she's the one organizing the very first event. Yeah, so our very first event is a welcome. Um, we'll have our provost, Costa Ciro, um, giving a welcome address to the group. And then we're going to go into a debate. And as Jahan mentioned, we are having it to be like a very open um, planning perspective. So at the current moment, Dean Copeland and I are going to check back in to talk about what are some of those very now moments that should be discussed regarding all things Constitution. So as was mentioned, obviously COVID, abortion are, are two major things. Um, we'll see what else comes up in our current event. And so we plan to have an interactive debate with our students. So splitting the group into two sides, a pro and a con, and say, all right, we're going to talk about COVID. You are going to be in support of mask mandates. You are going to be uh, against mask mandates. Just for example, that's not a decided upon topic at this moment and give opportunities for those groups to either speak in favor or speak against and have some rebuttals and just really to create some robust discussion um, and to be able to maybe even consider some perspectives or viewpoints that you might not hold in, in your own beliefs, um, but be able to afford an opportunity to consider the other side. And even if that's not something I subscribe to, how might I envision that opposing viewpoint and what are some considerations I would need to make for that? So really being able to provide some developmentally effective experiences for our students to consider differing perspectives and different viewpoints that they maybe hadn't considered before, um, I think can be really beneficial to that discussion and maybe something they could take away new that they didn't start that day with. This is Jahan again. That debate is something new we're doing this year, and this allowing us to address the, the issues of the day, as Sarah just said. Our events starting that Monday on the 20th of September are more structured. They have the content already decided. Free speech and social media is going to be addressed on that Monday. And then we're bringing back that Tracks on the Trail concert that Dana Gorzellani-Mostak organizes that evening. It's going to be in Magnolia Ballroom at 6. On the Tuesday, we're going to be talking about immigration and how the Constitution applies to the reality of immigration today. That's going to be in the hub. And then that evening, the Ushery Forum on Leadership is going to occur in Peabody. And then there's always Times Talks. Um, this year, Times Talk is going online. And it's going to have Hank Edmondson, who is one of our professors in the College of Arts and Sciences, who's going to talk about Native American treaties. And then Rodrin is doing the event that evening, COVID and the Health of Democracy. So I'll let Rodrin take it from there. All right. We have a very dynamic session planned for talking about COVID and the health of democracy. You know, when we first planned this night of questions, we originally titled it Lingering COVID Issues, and now it's just exploded, as was stated earlier. So we're going to talk about things such as, can the federal government require masks or vaccines nationwide? Or um, what can the federal government do to entice people to get vaccinated? And 
what has our government's response been to the pandemic? Just talking about what does that say about the health of democracy in itself? We want to talk about things such as the role of public health and uh, how does that apply in a rural and urban setting? And uh, talk about incentive programs. For example, various governments are giving out gift cards and promoting events. You know, what can we do as far as incentive programs, federal funds used for incentive programs, that kind of thing. So we're looking forward to this night of learning about the impact of the pandemic on all of our lives. Adam, would you briefly outline what you're doing? Sure. I'm I'm doing a panel on the future of Roe versus Wade, and it's a really timely issue. And it also raises a fundamental issue that I think undergirds all of the presentations, and that is constitutional interpretation. There's two schools of thought on interpretation. One that was championed by the late Justice Anton Scalia is originalism, holding that the courts should interpret the Constitution based on what the founders understood those words to mean at the time of the adoption of a particular amendment. The other school of thought is living constitutionalism, which holds that the meaning of the words can change based on contemporary norms and attitudes. So that really is a great segue into Roe, because one of the reasons that Roe versus Wade was such a contentious and controversial case was because the court really didn't base its decision when creating a fundamental right to terminate a pregnancy on the words of the 14th Amendment's due process clause. Rather, they based it on what they termed in Griswold versus Connecticut were penumbras that emanated from the Constitution that allowed the court to create unenumerated rights, such as abortion. So in the wake of Roe, there was a lot of backlash at the state level because the states viewed the decision as not supported by the text of the Constitution and therefore not legitimate. Twenty years later, in Planned Parenthood versus Casey, the court reaffirmed Roe, and the states continued to try to chip away at Roe and ultimately try to overturn Roe. And we saw that in cases like Missouri versus Danforth, and now in Dobbs versus Jackson's Women's Health, which will be the subject of our discussion, where the state of Mississippi passed a law saying that abortions after 15 weeks are prohibited. So the question is going to be, does that violate Roe and Planned Parenthood? And more broadly, will the justices say that Roe should be overturned because it wasn't supported by the Constitution, therefore returning the abortion decision to the states. So it really involves issues about constitutional interpretation, the right to abortion, and the role of democracy in determining unenumerated rights. That evening, we'll have the Supreme Court review panel, and at that point, we'll have a general overview of the United States Supreme Court uh, in in terms of their decisions, what percentage were unanimous, what percentage were these 5-4 splits. We'll briefly talk about shadow dockets that has been in the news recently. And then we have four amazing panelists who are going to be discussing four high-profile Supreme Court decisions from the most recent term, including one addressing free speech. That's the Mahoney Area School District versus um, BL. Uh, some may know that as the cheerleader case. Uh, that's going to be addressed by Matt Ressing, who is a former professor here at Georgia College, who's now at UGA, and he uh, essentially started Constitution Week celebrations here at Georgia College. And we're also going to have Jeffrey Kessler, who argued the NCAA case on um, behalf of Alston. Um, in other words, uh, you may have heard that there's a Supreme Court case that 
allows modest payments to student athletes. Um, in the past, it was prohibited, but that case, Jeffrey Kessler is the one who argued it successfully, now permits these modest payments. And so he's going to be joining us um, online. And then we also have someone with the ACLU who's going to talk about voting rights. The person who will be joining us actually worked for Stacey Abrams in the past. He is a Harvard Law School graduate, and he is now with Georgia's ACLU. And then our final panelist is a local Superior Court judge, and he will be addressing a criminal case that addresses punishments for juvenile offenders, and that's the Jones versus Mississippi case. You're listening to a conversation about this year's observance of Constitution Week. Beginning Friday, September 17th, and lasting through Thursday, September 23rd, my guests will present a series of conversations and events that take a critical look at this founding document of this American experiment. I'm joined in the studio today by public law professor Adam Lamparello, business law and ethics professor Jahan el special education professor Rodran Grimes, and athletic training professor Sarah Myers. They are members of the committee organizing this year's Constitution Week celebration at Georgia College. You can learn more about Constitution Week and see a schedule of events at libguides.gcsu.edu slash constitutionweek. But for now, stay tuned for more Georgia College Connections. And we just talked about the differing opinions on how we can interpret the Constitution in a very legal sense, these differing opinions within the Supreme Court, and obviously uh, those who would um, bring cases to and argue in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, But I'm also interested in the way that the Constitution is interpreted by people who don't have legal training and how the Constitution is seen in common parlance of American life. So I was wondering if y'all might describe the changing ways the Constitution is used as a symbol in American culture? I was going to let Adam get that one. (laughs) Okay, yeah, this is Adam. When you're discussing constitutional interpretation, you have to look at it relative to democracy. A lot of the language in the Constitution is fairly broad. For example, the First Amendment protects the right to free speech. What exactly is speech? The Eighth Amendment protects people against cruel and unusual punishment. What exactly does that mean? And the, the reason that that's important is because when you give courts the power to create unenumerated rights, what you do is you're taking that issue away from the people and away from the democratic process. And that could lead to centralization of power. And that could implicate concerns about federalism and ultimately about the right of the people ultimately to determine the laws under which they are governed. In addition, I think a lot of court decisions reflect, and the Constitution reflects to a degree, the political sentiment of a majority of the population at the time. What you'll often see in Supreme Court decisions is an evolution of its jurisprudence in a particular area, whether it be the First Amendment or the Eighth Amendment, that fairly closely tracks public opinion at the time 
uh, that the decision is rendered. So the Constitution, it's not just words. It's not just a document that provides for specific liberties or for a particular structure of governance. It is responsive to people and popular opinion. And that's why, for example, in a case like Atkins versus Virginia in 2002, the Supreme Court held that you cannot execute individuals who are intellectually disabled, which was in line with public opinion. In Obergefell versus Hodges, the court recognized the right to same-sex marriage that was in line with how the democratic process was turning at the time in favor of same-sex marriage. So what you see is that the court's interpretive philosophy is responsive to the public opinion. And the reason it is that way is because the court wants to retain its institutional legitimacy in a democracy. But you also have to balance that against the tension of should we be allowing nine unelected life tenured judges to identify rights when the Constitution really doesn't speak to those rights or support those rights. So it's an ongoing tension. But I think ultimately what the court tries to do is issue incremental decisions that reflect popular opinion and that therefore enhance the court's credibility in a democratic society. And of course, at this time, though, that idea is very much challenged in that as you take the issue that you are bringing to the Constitution Week events, abortion, uh, there is widespread polling saying that a majority of Americans do not agree with taking away completely reproductive rights. And so the court um, and a group of lawmakers continue to push this issue, then also pushing the legitimacy of the court into a very contentious space. So how is this evolving and are we at a time of that idea of legitimacy in contention? Well, I think that a lot of scholars would argue on both liberal and conservative ends that Roe itself was an illegitimate decision because there was no basis in the Constitution for the court to create a right to terminate a pregnancy. The Constitution never mentions abortion, and there's no language in the Constitution that could support a right to abortion. So what that decision really reflected was the justices doing what they wanted to do based on arguably their personal policy predilections. And the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg agreed with that proposition. Now, I'm in a unique position because I'm what you would call liberal originalist, which seems like a contradiction. But I do believe, although as a matter of policy I'm pro-choice, I don't think that the Supreme Court should be manipulating or ignoring the Constitution like it did in Griswold versus Connecticut, like it did in Roe, in Planned Parenthood, to create rights that, although they may be popular, are not supported by the Constitution. Because when you do that, you wind up giving nine unelected judges the power to decide issues that are outside the scope of what they were intended to do. And it takes those issues away from the democratic process, and that takes power away from the people. And that's the problem with Roe. Adam, can I ask a question for the panelists that you have on that particular event? Will there be one or more people arguing on the other side of that position? The, uh, the, the, the majority will be arguing the opposite. I only oh, have okay. one that's going to support this argument. <laughs> so one of the premises of our committee or one of sort of our charging principles is that we want to make sure that we bring diverse perspectives to each of our panels. And so we recognize that, you know, the American populace, as well as academics, have differing views regarding many of these issues. And we want to create a space where those can be discussed in a respectful way. We want to model having these discussions and these debates so that students can see that they can have differing opinions, but still have a 
congenial conversation over them and maybe walk away with your same position, but having grown from listening to the other side. So, you know, I haven't talked to Adam about whether or not he intentionally did that, but I'm really glad to hear that because that's something that we really strive to do in all of our programming. Yeah, I did do that intentionally because I wanted to have diverse perspectives and to have that kind of balance because in my view, it's important that students hear diverse perspectives and make up their own minds and not have any particular ideology imposed on them. So I think it's going to be a great panel and very diverse. And would, when we talk about constitutional issues, do you all feel that uh, too much of the burden uh, falls on the judicial branch of the government? It's their job. <laughs> no, I don't think too much of a burden is on the judicial branch. After Marbury versus Madison, judicial review, is that's their area of expertise. And so simply put, no. Well, in, in other terms, so many times when we hear about unpopular decisions that the Supreme Court laid down, there is this feeling that the legislative branch is not legislating to actually uh, make laws that will pass constitutional muster. Uh, but then we also, uh, in the more recent history, we see a, a amazing amassment of power under the executive branch. Uh, uh, pulling uh, war powers away from uh, Congress and, um, you know, also just, you know, kind of filling up the um, American imagination about where the power of government lies. And so as we think about these ideas of, you know, the original intent of the framers of the Constitution, is our government acting within the original intent of uh, this founding document? That's really a great question. And I think... One thing that your question kind of implicates is this idea of constitutional ambiguity. When the Constitution doesn't yield a clear answer as to whether there should be a certain right or whether legislation should be upheld, who should be making the decision? The courts or the legislature? And this goes back to a decision, um, Citizens United versus FEC. When Congress passed a law essentially trying to regulate the amount of money that was being placed into, into politicians' pockets, which led to undue influence in the democratic process and ultimately what some would argue is corruption. Well, the First Amendment doesn't really say whether what Congress did was expressly unconstitutional or not. But the Supreme Court in a 5-4 to four decision overturned that legislation and arguably thwarted Congress's attempt to eradicate corruption in democracy. So why would the court get involved when the Constitution doesn't give a clear answer, why not defer to the legislative branches who did something that was beneficial for the democratic process? And that's part of the tension when it comes to ambiguity in the role of courts in defining rights and deferring to the legislative branch. You're listening to a conversation about this year's observance of Constitution Week. Beginning Friday, September 17th, and lasting through Thursday, September 23rd, my guests will present a series of conversations and events that take a critical look at the founding document of this American experiment. I'm joined in the studio today by public law professor Adam Lamparello, business law and ethics professor Jahan el special education professor Rodran Grimes, and athletic training professor Sarah Myers. They are members of the committee organizing this year's Constitution Week celebration at Georgia College. You can learn more about Constitution Week and see a schedule of events at libguides.gcsu.edu slash constitutionweek. 
But for now, stay tuned for more Georgia College Connections. When we think about these new balances that have been the result of this 200-plus-year experiment that we call American democracy, what is the responsibility that lies with all of us, the people, in making sure that we are either adhering to what is put forth in the Constitution and in the amendments, or evolving our understanding of those frameworks to see the democracy that we want? I think it's really important for people to be informed and to go directly to the source. I think too often we're listening to commentary on what people believe the issue is or what they believe the Constitution says. Instead, I, I tell my students, we, I, I teach legal environment of business, and we cover the Constitution, and sometimes we'll just open the Constitution right up and I'll have them read it straight from it. like. Okay, tell me what you think this is, is in this First Amendment. Now let's actually read it. Is it different than what you thought? And so I, I think it's very important to encourage people to go directly to the source. Look at what the Constitution says. Then listen to these people who have studied it. And here we have this Constitution Week, five days of events of people who are in the weeds with these constitutional issues. They're not commentators. They're not people who have opinions just for media's sake. These are people who are litigating these type of cases or they're researching these types of issues. And those are the people who really know what's going on. And so education is so important. And that's why we do this. Indeed. And to piggyback on what Shahan said, you know, so often the Constitution is used as a way to uh, use it as propaganda in a sense as far as someone's opinion that impacts all of us. So that's why it's so important to have events such as ours that are using the Constitution itself to inform people, the, the general public, our students who are the next generation of leaders. So that's why it's critical that people are aware of what exactly the Constitution says. And as uh, again, as Johan said, go to the actual document. It's on the internet. We have the most access to information ever in the history of humanity with a few keystrokes. So come from a position of knowledge as opposed to propaganda. And as we're closing out our conversation today, I know we spent a lot of time talking about the roles that we are playing in this Constitution Week celebration, uh, but I want to give you all the opportunity to identify some of the things that you all think are some of the most important constitutional questions and or concerns that uh, you have or that you think our audience members should be thinking about as we, again, observe uh, an anniversary of this founding document of our democracy. For me, it's the role of social media, the role of um, traditional media such as networks, in positioning arguments. So you have one side versus the other. 
And so that is, uh, for me, very concerning as opposed to having events such as ours that give all diverse opinions. I, I love the fact that we have diverse opinions uh, on our panels. So that's critical for me uh, as far as media is concerned, propaganda, that kind of thing, because many people won't go and do further research. So it's critical for me that I want people, the general public to have good information. For me, and this is Jahan, it's about encouraging people to balance, just as the courts have to balance both sides of an issue. For instance, personal liberty and whether or not a person should have a choice to do something versus the health of a society. You know, to try to get people to think about both sides of an issue, just as the court must do. And so for so many of these issues that we talk about, we really want people to think about what is on the other side of this issue and can you put yourself in the shoes of these other people? And if you have to weigh between these two, which one, maybe from a pragmatic point of view, weighs heavier and should you choose for the maybe benefit all of society, not just for you, not just for the individual? And that concept of checks and balances too, you know, all of these issues involve almost all three, you know, all three, you know, we've got free speech and social media. So of course we've got legislation, we've got the constitution and first amendment. We've got, you know, the, a president in the past who was claiming censorship regarding social media. You've got judicial decisions regarding these things, uh, you know, for students and the community to understand the balance of these three entities in our government and how they address these issues. So it's balance and these checks, that I would like people to walk away and think about regarding all of these issues. In perhaps a shade too similar to the last question, what do you hope your audience members take away from this year's observance of Constitution Week at Georgia College? For me, I would like our participants to take away the fact that we are citizens of the world and to be considerate of one another. As far as, you know, my night, this is Rodran, my night is COVID and the health of democracy. And we're all interconnected. So we are being courteous and considerate to our fellow human being when we consider our behavior, how our behavior impacts their health, how our own individual behavior can affect the ending of this pandemic. So that's my hope, that we are more mindful of our own place in society and how that impacts the larger community. From my perspective, I want students and community members to know that these important issues that we face on a daily basis are not just sound bites. They're not just talking points. If you do a deep dive and all of these events provide students in the community with a, with a maybe a shallow dive, but a, a dive nevertheless into these issues where they can see that there's way more to 
these constitutional provisions to these discussions in society than what they may have heard or seen in a short post or on the news. My students do assignments based on two of these events, and I always read their responses and am so pleased when they say, I was so surprised I didn't realize so-and-so. And so I'm excited about students learning these things that they just don't know about yet. Uh, so to me, that's an exciting opportunity that hundreds, maybe even thousands of students will get the opportunity to learn something that they just didn't know. Well, I want to thank y'all very much for taking the time to invite our radio audience into uh, this Constitution Week celebration here on Georgia College. And if not the actual events, uh, some of the thought and care with which these events were put forth. So thank you again for joining me today on Georgia College Connections. Thank you so much for having us. You've been listening to a conversation about this year's observance of Constitution Week. Beginning Friday, September 17th and lasting through Thursday, September 23rd, my guests will present a series of conversations and events that take a critical look at a founding document of this democratic experiment. I was joined today by public law professor Adam Lamparello, business law and ethics professor Jahan Eldrabagi, special education professor Rodran Grimes, and athletic training professor Sarah Myers. They're members of the committee that organized this year's Constitution Week celebration at Georgia College. You can learn more about Constitution Week and see a schedule of events at libguides.gcsu.edu slash constitutionweek. On behalf of WRGC 88.3 FM, I have been your host, Daniel McDonald. It has been my pleasure spending this portion of the evening with you here on Georgia College Connections. I hope you enjoyed our time together, and I want you to know that I look forward to convening with you again next time.